Today's episode is brought to you by Daura, the platform for digital shares. And thanks to digital shares, private placements and equity crowdfundings become easy, fast, and cheap to carry out. Daura offers free access for investors and a simple digital subscription process. You can promote investments worldwide through their digital channels, and customers and partners can be turned into shareholders and brand ambassadors. If you want to learn more, go to daura.ch. That's D-A-U-R-A dot C-H. People know there is climate change and they want to do something against it, but the most of it don't want and cannot pay anything for additional for it. And also the effort should be very much uh, smaller. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Roman, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Hi, Sylvan. Yeah, thank you to be here. Thank you very much. You're the co-founder and CEO at PayGreen, a startup that is developing an ecological payment method to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. That's a very bold mission. We're going to dive into that in a minute. Before we do so, I want to start with your personal background. You studied business administration and entrepreneurship. And pretty early on, you actually helped to create not one, but two startups. How did these opportunities come about? Mm. Yeah, I was studying business administration and got interested into um, funding uh, startups and also entrepreneurship. So I always had a lot of ideas, what you can do, how you can solve problems. And it was interesting to do this also, to mm -hmm. start small projects and develop them. I then get into this startup community, this network, and just realize there are a lot of other smart people with really, really good ideas. So I just see, okay, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. And that was the start. The first thing uh, was these artificial lenses for this terahertz radiation. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting. It was really it was a really nerd group of um, yeah, engineers and of physicians from ETH and APFL. And I joined them. They won a lot of prizes. We won a lot of prizes. So it was mm -hmm. really rocket science for an outside perspective. It was rocket science. And it was really interesting, yeah. but that was my first startup. Then I also saw that uh, like Inomedica was my last startup. They were developing a cancer medication or are developing cancer medication mm -hmm. or Parkinson medication. And yeah, it just was also just an interesting case. I thought I have to work with them. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I stepped back with my ideas and uh, helped other founders to start their business. And we did it together then. Amazing. Why did you then decide to leave these two? projects i imagine you know that was probably not the easiest step to take yeah it's always interesting to leave a project after a few years mm -hmm. when you know times okay your learning curve is flattening and you can go step again outside your comfort zone do something new but yeah, honestly it's not always this the first startup it was like i started and after a few months i realized okay we are rocket science mm -hmm. but it's not the business case yeah i just mm -hmm. made the projection and saw okay we can make like four millions revenue every year. So it's not a business case. It's for me in this case. Yeah. And uh, therefore, I started with the second startup. And there, I think, is, we're going well. We are now over 50 employees, raised over 50 millions in Swiss francs and everything. But like I said in the beginning, also after four or five years, 
um, yes, you got too much into comfort zone. And I realized there are people now working for a startup, which um, maybe also know it better and are better than you. So yeah, I can leave the startup again, even if I loved it and do something new. And I did something new afterwards. Yeah. Amazing. We're going to talk about that, of course. But where does your entrepreneurial drive come from ultimately? You know, do you have any role models or any entrepreneurs in the family that inspired you to pursue <laughs> that career path? Yes, everybody in our company had some entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even my aunt, who's pharmaceutical, um, uh, had background, a pharmaceutical background, has his own uh, pharmacy and stuff like this. So everybody's a little bit doing their own business. Uh, even also another aunt who was doing some stuff with digital uh, marketing and everything. Mm -hmm. So yes, I have it in my family. But beside of it, the role models, I just enjoy doing projects and realize them and really being intrinsic motivated and pair with other people working together on the same goal. That's really making me motivated to work and to stand up every morning. Amazing. Really this intrinsic motivation and joy together that you enjoy the process. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's also uh, the opportunity cost is high. You can work in another company for a, a high salary. And mm -hmm. um, this can also make you happy, of course. And um, both of both will be fine yeah, and will be good. Uh. Sure. <laughs> Then in 2018, you were shopping at an eco-friendly shop and realized that they pay an incredibly high fee to the credit card company. And this then sort of sparked an idea in your head. What exactly happened back then? Yeah, maybe I have to start a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. As with PayGreen now, we, like you said, we are implementing a carbon pricing into a financial transaction, as into a purchase. And I have a business administration background, an economic background, and I knew to fight climate change. On the one side, we have to have an invention like Climeworks, where they capture carbon out of the atmosphere. We have to have the we have to have the um, compensation market, and the best way is to reduce it. And at the moment, our yeah our system is not working well because now you can emitting carbon for free, and it's not cost you anything. But at the end, the society it costs something to society. Yeah. So. Carbon sh should cost something, mm -hmm. uh, but I just also thought about how you can now implement this cost, this carbon pricing into society without additional costs. So I came up with the idea with these transaction fees from credit cards, mm -hmm. which already exist, but these fees we can use as a carbon pricing model. So what was the moment? <laughs> Go back to your question. And I was in my second startup, Inomedica, the cancer medication startup. We had our office in Bern in Langos. Mm -hmm. And next to the office, there were this small um, biological regional shop. And I was often buying their stuff. Also on this day, I was buying something, I think, for 10 francs, not that much. I had no cash with me. Mm -hmm. So what do I have to do? I have to pay with my card like we, um, of course. everybody used to in the meantime. I had my American Express and I knew, okay, now this small shop have to pay extra much fees mm -hmm. now for this 10 francs purchase. Right. So it makes no sense. Huh? It makes this carbon less products from the region much more expensive. They, are, they should be less expensive yeah, because they have less carbon. Right. So there was a little bit the moment I realized we can implement this carbon pricing with these transaction fees. And transaction fees, let's say from American Express, mm -hmm. should not be like the size of the shop. It should be like 
the carbon they're emitting. So basically, the the fees get higher if there's a higher carbon emission. Exactly, yes. So we now have fees starting at 2.5%. And if you mm -hmm. compare it with other credit cards, yeah, there's a discussion with a customer and it's depending also on the size. And if every customer is different, they are paying 1.4% per purchase for mm -hmm. Twint. They're paying 3% for PayPal and 2.75% for American Express. So it's still a lot of fees, yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, if you take a look at the EBITDA margin, yeah, normal EBITDA margin, I don't know, are within 10%, I think. And um, Apple or also like Novartis have like 20 to 30% and MasterCard and Visa have like 60%. So you see there, the range is really high. They have a lot of fees and no costs mm -hmm. and the profitability is really high still. Yeah. So... Also, we calculated and saw also with our model, we have, we have the same fees like other credit cards. So the shop doesn't cost it anything. They can pay the transaction fees to us as the current pricing or they can pay to Visa the MasterCard. It's the same. Exactly. So you had this idea. Then you presented it to InnoSuisse. You got accepted into their program. You also presented it to investors later on. How do you convince InnoSuisse but also investors to belief in this idea stage, startup mm -hmm. idea, basically. As me, myself, I have also to convince myself all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So also for me and myself, InnoSwiss was the first step. I had a great job with my last startup and I really made fun. I didn't have a reason to leave it so far, but I had this wish and this idea to, to solve climate change. Yeah. So my first proof of concept was this founder bias to see if this founder bias exists. That means that I love my ID more than it really is worthwhile. Yeah. So to the first proof of concept to, to check this was going to InnoSwiss, mm -hmm. present the idea on a paper and see if also other like this idea or, mm -hmm. or I'm just dreaming about the big case. Yeah, that's often the topic with men. They're thinking, okay, we can fight Google and uh, have the world conquered and everything. So it's always <laughs> good to have a woman in the founder team because they are much more um, realistic than me. And that was the first proof of concept. So yourself making one proof after another. And uh, one was, for example, to have uh, investors. Yeah, we had this um, business angel who invested uh, years ago into our startup and how you can convince them of course, you have to have a great idea. Yeah, the idea has to be great. You have to have a good team and it's really important. Yeah. And probably what I think is also the persistence. You have to show that you um, will follow your course. And in a startup, there are a lot, a lot, there's a really a lot of ups and downs and you should not give up with these downs. Yeah? Even in my last startup, how often we get results with our cancer medication that it's not the efficient efficacy is not that good like we uh, meant to be. Uh, and so often we could have stopped it, but then we just realized, okay, we made mistakes or this was not good. We can improve this. We learned at the end the most uh, in these down moments about our uh, our medication itself. Yeah. Also, this Parkinson's medication grew out of a phase like this, this down phase where we learned mm -hmm. new thing about our medication. Yeah. And you have this persistence, the good idea, the plan, also, you have to go pivoting as you could change your plans, be flexible. And then I think you can convince an investor. I like what you said to also signal that you're willing to walk the walk, 
Nomad Rift Investor Joins. So you say, hey, I'm going to do that. I invite you to join my journey, to join my mission. But even if you don't join, I will do it anyways. I think mm. that's a very powerful signal to send to investors and say, look, this is an opportunity, but I don't need you to make it happen. I want to make it happen anyways. Mm. As at the end, yourself, you find a way out. You can create it. Yeah. And um, the first way you think it will be realized is not often the best, not the right way. Yeah. Still, you have to make, like I said, this proof of concept to yourself. You can have this founder bias. You have to check if also other be uh, people believe in it. If an investor believes in it, then it's really fine. Even uh, if it can be circumstances at the moment, the uh, environment is not that good or maybe at too early stage or something like mm -hmm. this. Yeah. But you have to improve concept. In my case now, it was like that we became part of Google. So also Google believed in us. We had really good industrial um, um, key person leaders who believed in our s system, in our startup. So they are also part now of it, like Malte Polzin, who was CEO from Brock, or like Thierry Kneisler, who was CEO and founder of Twint. They are on our advisory board and also part of our company. So that all proof of concept still that you know, okay, you're not the only one who believes in this idea and he supports you. And also after you went live, for example, in the market, the figures were really good. So me, myself, I also worked long time ago now as a 50% nothing consultant. Mm -hmm. So just also, I know startups are not a sprint, they are a marathon. So you have to have um, this persistence and the, the ability to survive. And, but after now we had this figures from going live from the market and really see that people want our solution. I also created this 50% consulting job in a big, big Swiss company because that's also the founder's risk. Yeah. It's a little bit different when you come out of your studies, you mm -hmm. don't have that high living cost. You cannot lose that much. Sure. But if you have a good paying job and you have high living costs and then risk it to go back to a startup, then you can lose uh, a lot, yeah. So that's also a little bit uh, yeah. uh, all the founder's dilemma. Or at least we think that we lose more, right? Because it's basically a self-built cage mentally a bit. Exactly, yeah. So maybe you should not build up this cage with high living costs and everything else. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You, you talked about we. So to make the first prototype happen, to make the company happen, you of course also needed to assemble a team. Who is the key part of, of, of your team? Hmm. I have really great um, colleagues in my team now from the sustainability sector to marketing to software developer. Of course, it's really different now previous to my last startup. In last startup, we had this cancer medication and we really had a lot of people right out from the PhD in mm -hmm. biochemics, in uh, chemics and medical also, who were really intrinsic motivated to make research on a uh, cancer medication, everything. So it was, I will say, easy to find new people. Yeah. Now, if I compare it with Pay Green, it's like we have, yeah, we have the software developer section and it's like this. There are not enough software developer in Switzerland. You also know it. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to find good software developers. So I'm really thankful for my software developer I have myself. Also with the sustainability, at the moment, I think there are still enough experts so you can find uh, sustainability employees. But with the growth in the market, in the sustainability market, I also see a lack of sustainability experts in a few years, honestly. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, if you compare it with 
other uh, consulting startups, how they grew. Within three years, they grew 10 times the employees' numbers, so really high numbers. So I think also if you think about studying sustainability, it's a good choice now to do it. Yeah, yeah especially also if you look to the US, you know, the whole investment community is very, very bullish on climate tech startups. So this is a new, very, very hot and important topic. Yes, the market are really interesting. As so a Paris Agreement, uh, they predicted that the sustainability market will grow to 12 billion US dollar in 2030. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That means um, it will become one of the biggest uh, sectors in the worldwide. I don't know the numbers exactly, but I think at the moment the financial sector is like 10 billions and energy sector is like 4 billions. So just to compare it, it's a really big sector. Yeah. Absolutely. And also with Paygreen, we have the e-commerce sector who is growing like 13% annually and the payment market who has, yeah, depending on the source, like 41 to 100 unicorn startups. So yes, and no startup has somehow a sustainable background. So yes, it's also a really interesting market. Absolutely. I also want to talk a bit more about your actual solution, your product. You mm. already briefly mentioned that, you know, the, the companies that use your service, they pay a fee, it's free for the customers. And you also said that it, it is determined by the CO2 emissions, basically of a product that someone buys. So how does that exactly work? Can you explain a bit more what determines the exact price that a store pays mm -hmm. to you? Of course, yeah. So we developed two things. We developed on one hand a payment method. Mm -hmm. So in now in online shops, you can pay your purchases with Paygreen instead of Visa or MasterCard. And it's easy to use payment method with no account needed, no app needed, nothing. On the other side, we developed this carbon footprint assessment where we um, assess the carbon footprint and show to the uh, to, uh, companies how big it is and how they can reduce it. And what you're doing now, we are implementing this carbon pricing. Mm -hmm. So on the perspective of the consumer, yeah, it's really easy. You just can make your purchases and then see you can pay with Paygreen and you know you don't do something good. Also, it doesn't cost you anything. And that's the big thing. Yeah. We wanted to develop something and a survey shows and the research shows that people know there is climate change and they want to do something against it. But the most of it don't want and cannot pay anything for additional for it. And also the effort should be very much uh, smaller, small effort. So with Paygreen, they don't have to pay anything to do something for the environment. And also it's not a big effort. And in addition, that's also together with Google, we made this research Um it needs a little bit of reward. So we still have planting trees as a little, little compensation um, thing. But yeah, we really focus on uh, reducing. I see. That's our main focus. Yeah. And now to answer your questions on the shop's perspective, like I said, they already pay like 2.75 or 3% for PayPal or American Express. Within, with us, they start with two half percent fees, and then within two months, we make this assessment. If the fee, as if they have less carbon, if they have a small carbon footprint, they even have less fees as if they are nearly carbon neutral. They have like zero point nine percent fees, mm -hmm. so we can already reduce their fees, and they already get rewarded for their as for what they did for the environment. Nice. If they have a bad carbon footprint. And the fee is above two and a half percent, as according to the footprint. Mm -hmm. Then they have like a year time to reduce the carbon footprint. Yeah. 
or then after a year to accept the higher fees. Mm -hmm. Or if they don't accept the higher fees and get punished, like uh, said, then we remove the payment uh, method Paygreen again from yeah. their site. And there are different labels. So if you are carbon neutral, you have this gold label. And if you're just um, starting with us, um, you have this partner label. So also the consumer can see it. Yeah. And other selling points are that, yeah, you have normal fees. Then you have this carbon footprint report. You have this label. Mm -hmm. And you can also show it to your customers. Surveys show that already one third of the customer avoid shops or brand where they have doubts about their sustainability. Mm -hmm. And just in 2021, it's grew with 6% or does it is this take of the, of the pie. So it's more and more. So shops have to be aware that um, people as a consumer want to buy sustainable. I think it's amazing that you can sort of put a price tag on that emission part. I think that's very powerful and hopefully leads to people adapting their behavior. On the other side, I also see that as a challenge for your business model, right? Because you then sort of probably have sort of an adverse selection that only the companies that are good want to stick with your payment method. And then you have lower fees, which results in less income for your mm -hmm. company. So do you have any other income sources or how do you deal with that sort of business model change? Um, yes, of course, in the beginning, there will be the greener one who will be a part of it. And that's also fine for us because I mentioned it, the EBITDA margin is still high with these fees. Mm -hmm. And we have additional products we are developing now. Also, we don't want to just go on carbon. We also want to make a whole sustainability SG rating yeah. and also want to make a more in-deep supplier check where we send surveys to the supplier. They have to fill it out, they send it back, and then also we will... Um, review them and give the shops a little bit an overview about with which supplier they may should uh, yeah talk mm -hmm. a little bit more or not. So that are all additional service which we will um, which are scalable, but mm -hmm. we will also make earnings. On the other side, it's also the good thing about Paygreen. Um, so the vision would be that consumer understand that if a shop doesn't have Paygreen offered in their payment as payment method. Mm -hmm. So why they don't offer a payment method like Paygreen? Because of the high fees, yeah? yeah. They don't accept it because they have high fees and the high fees they have because they are not ecological, they have a high carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. So it's automatically a negative branding if you don't have Paygreen. So they also get a little bit um, the social control that they even accept Paygreen, even have a higher fee. And with this higher fee, we can then also afford the smaller fee or no fee to the carbon neutral shops yeah yeah but technically the companies that would have higher fees with you they just wouldn't use you probably yes and then they have their brand that they are not ecological yeah. sure and i just mentioned this one third of of uh, of customers mm -hmm. which would not buy anymore in shops they have these right. doubts about the sustainability so they yeah, will risk that they lose at the moment is one sort of consumers because they, are, they show that they're not uh, ecological friendly. Right. And I have so many more questions because this is super mm -hmm. fascinating. Thank you very much. Um, I think at the same time, you also need a, a critical mass, right? To really have an impact to say, hey, we, we, we can reduce the carbon footprints of our companies by that amount, for example. Do you have any idea how, how big that critical mass <laughs> is that you need to really... Know, have a branding, have a standing in the market mm. that people know your brand and other companies want to be part of that movement because they cannot afford to miss it. Mm. 
Um, it's an interesting question. Also, we also work without this critical mass, but of mm -hmm. course, this social control, this um, networking benefit will kick in when we have this uh, critical mass. Yeah. Um, I don't know really the number of from when this is. We have contact like with Terry Kneisler and also with the founder team of Twint. They themselves, they said as soon as they had one million consumers who used it, this was the critical mass. Yeah. From then it went by the by the own Twint. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you have the million, then uh, of course it would work. And also this social control and this bad... And branding will also work. And uh, in the meantime, we also have the benefit to go over boundaries and over as also to Germany and make the expansion there. So, yeah, that's one thing also. Exactly. And I wonder, would it also be possible for a company you now that might not have that good of an ecological footprint to say, oh, cool, one third of the customers out there really care about that? So I'm just going to implement pay green and I sort of greenwash myself without being actually making a step in the right direction. Mm. Would, would that even work? Also the good thing also about pay green is that we cannot be greenwashing. And the thing is, if we make something greener than it is, we earn less. So pay green has no interest to make something greener than it is because then we don't earn any more about this just as an incentive system also for our own. So that's the basic that we don't do greenwashing. Of course, um, it can be a company who's saying he's accepting 10% fees and has still the pay green partnering logo, mm -hmm. even there are two uh, other labels, which really also then uh, shows the consumers, okay, they're also on a really good way that they really are next to carbon neutral. Mm -hmm. It could be possible. So far, we have one customer who has like a fee of 4.7%, so already really high. That's a lot, yeah. Yeah, It was more like the case that he thought he is really green, yeah, and we showed him that it's not the case. So also in this case, it's a good thing because now we know where to reduce it. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm really optimistic that within a year, he will also reduce his carbon footprint a lot. So even if it's not ecological, we will see if it then will have one time a customer who has some red flags, I would mm -hmm. say, that we don't accept it, even if he would accept uh, the fee. Yeah. But even if this higher fee, um, the fact is this uh, incentive is that high that he then reduced the carbon that we should really accept him, even if he's that not ecological. But then he has so much incentives to reduce his carbon footprint that it would be benefit the environment the most probably. Yeah. Yeah, you really set them an incentive to then make a step in the right direction, so to speak. Yes, exactly. Then they have incentives. Beforehand, they would not move into uh, carbon neutral or more sustainable. And if then we would have, he would have an incentive to reduce the carbon. Yeah. Another question in that regard is these companies that work with you, of course, they have to share their, their carbon footprint data with you, but not with the public. Wouldn't that be a better step, you know, to more transparency, to be very open with the consumers? Mm -hmm. Or do you have an additional important function here that where you come in and make it easier to understand for consumers? Mm -hmm. As on the one side, and the consumer has not the time and information to really think about every purchase he makes. So there has to be somebody who is taking a little bit um, the opportunity and make this for the consumers. And the customers, our shops, they can publish our work and our reports if they okay. want to, but okay. it's not meant to be. On one side, um, it's 
is this information they can uh, open it we have this label so it's uh, short communication to the customer mm -hmm. where are the shops are they already at the finish line or on the process to reduce the carbon footprint uh, even just partnering is a good sign mm, we have a lot of information about the shops and this are for sure that's secured and we also make sure that the that the effort for the online shop is also not that high at the end even it takes for the online shop sometimes to make it this this um this assessment so we're yeah, a little bit both sides and another question because there's also the end consumer involved of course now we talked about the businesses itself but in the end you know when i purchase something when i do the checkout i also online i have to make a choice sometimes right between the different payment providers how does that work that you can incentivize more mm. consumers to use pay green versus, I don't know, post finance here in Switzerland? Mm. Also, especially from Google, there is also made on from Deloitte a nice research about this. So far, we saw that um, people buy things and the uh, topics are quality, are the price and everything else. Mm. And sustainable is just a second layer. It's not like sustainability is the most important. It's the price and quality has to be right. And then sustainability is an, an additional thing. Yeah. No. So we have a, an additional reward system where we're planting trees. Our surveys showed that this part still has to be in it. Yeah. yeah. Because also what we're doing with PayGreen, I say 50% of the people understand what we do in the back. And they realized, okay, yeah, with this incentive system, it makes sense. But 50% of the consumer does not understand what we are doing. Yeah. Yeah. So these people, we have also a little bit to um, yeah, um, show them with these planting trees and everything, what we are doing, and this is a good thing. Yeah. So uh, both sides. And with this reward system, um, as the Google um, survey also showed that um, they make sustainability, consumers are doing sustainability when it's like default system. Mm -hmm. So we also know times if we are the payment method, which is on the first place and is default, uh, a default payment method, we make really good shares. Yeah. We have like already 18% of the people buying with PayGreen. And mm -hmm. so we are already beating PayPal. They have less uh, amount. Nice. And that's really good numbers. Yeah. And of course, the oh. user experience, you have to improve. And then we, we get even more sh uh, share of all the payment consumers. Yeah. Sometimes you also see that in online shops, right? That if you pay by credit card or by PayPal, that they add a percentage on top of the total amount. Mm. Would that also be a viable strategy that the merchants would say, hey, if you use PayGreen, it's free to pay. Mm. But if you use any other method, you pay two, three, four percent on top. Yes. Yeah, this would be also an opportunity that the shop is giving to the consumers. There are still laws which is a little bit prohibited to do that. I don't know right. why this law yeah. exists. But I also see in a few shops they're doing it. And then it's even better if they can show that with PayGreen, they pay really less fee. Mm -hmm. That's also a way to show to the consumer that they are carbon neutral nearly or something yeah. like this. And if they yeah, give this 4% to the consumers, then the consumer also understands that's not that ecological friendly. Yeah. yeah, because in the end, I think that's your whole philosophy to really let the behavior drive through the price, through the incentives. And I think that's really powerful. And hopefully the laws will allow you to also represent that in the online shops one day. Yes, it would be also interesting uh, as the system works with it or without, but uh, yeah, it would not be an issue if uh, they would show it what's the price there, yeah. then they're even more transparent. It would be also fine for us. Exactly. 
You're currently also raising money. You do so on two platforms with Daura and with Conda. First of all, why do you choose to go for a digital share platform? And even in my previous startup, we did always crowd investment. Yeah. It was not called crowd investment. It was just called öffentliche <laughs> Kapitalerhöhung, but it was meant to be a crowd investment. And I really made good experience with it. Yeah. If you talk about crowd investment, everybody says, oh, but then you have a lot of shareholders and it's a really big um, administrative effort and everything else. As with Inometrica, we have now like uh, 2000 shareholders, so really a lot. And I don't think it was a lot of effort. Yeah. Even there, it was really good from this crowd you had. Mm -hmm. And this crowd was also a reason why we did the crowd investment even then, because study shows that with every small investor you have, you bring nine additional customers. So also it's a nice wow. marketing effect that you, with your investor, you have really also building your crowd and community you're using wow. then paying in this case. That sounds very promising. Yes, of course. Yes. So we also said, okay, let's do also this crowd investment to raise money here also in the crowd. And, and then we go to Daura and also to Conda. And we're also really proud of it because now we are the first project which is also listed on Conda and on uh, Daura. Mm -hmm. And it's really great. So both platform uh, work together and said, oh, I want to support Paygreen. And now the project itself uh, goes with Conda and then you have to digital share on uh, Daura. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's really great to have both platforms on our side. Great combination. You said that this process is actually not as difficult as many people think. Can you tell a bit more how this process looks like from a startup, from an operational perspective? As the, the crowd investment campaign, everything, as it's a really big effort, so you have a little bit misunderstood <laughs> me. But also finding an investor is a big Fair. effort. So, um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a great marketing project. Of course, you need uh, communications in your team. You need the project leader and everything. Um, you need a lot of documentation, make all the contracts. Like you, we started now also two, three months ago with this project and um, made all the documents and everything else. And also from the legal side, it's a big effort. It's in my last startup, we did everything on our own, mm -hmm. but also with the banks, it was easier to work together because then we had a, one big player who was also doing all the stuff in the background. If the bank, they don't do it anymore. Yeah. Now we have this platform like Honda or Daura, they're doing it now. Also with the laws, like, you know, your customer, the banks have more regulatories, so they are a little bit more, um, yeah, carefully. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, now it's great to have this platform. It was already as a long time ago, a need in the market, and now the platform are growing and also encourage other people to use it. That makes a lot of sense. And how much money are you looking for to raise in total? Yeah, it's hard to say. It's also a little bit of proof of concept. Um, in you know, medical last startup in the first round, we did like 600,000 um, um, Swiss francs. So also we go for 600,000, mm -hmm. see how much we raised there. It's really needed that we get also this money to can grow even faster and better. So mm -hmm. yes, I really appreciate everybody who wants to join our journey and will be part of it. It will be great. That uh, also like Inometica, we become one time a company with like 2000 shareholders. And yes, it depending on how much money we get and also outside of the crowd investment, if we get some money. But the aim would be that we can also already go in the German market and make their uh, prototype. We need an approval in the EU for what we are doing. So mm -hmm. get this also this approval. 
growing into the Swiss market. We have now nearly 10 shops. Gerhard nearly soon have 50 shops and everything else. Yeah. And also make these additional services for the sustainability. Yeah, there are a lot of ideas how to, yeah, we can grow. That brings me to the next question. You said you're available with 10 shops, soon 50, focusing on online shops. Will you also be expanding to brick and mortar in the future? Or what are your plans for the future? Mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I said it in the beginning, yeah, the idea I had in a physical shop yeah, mm -hmm. and was paying with my card and had the idea. So of course, now the easiest way to implement this was with the online shops. The goal would be that we also in a few years with an app or with a card in the point of sale, this means in the physical shops yeah. and can also offer their pay green. But also from the side of, of the sustainability side, we want to implement not only carbon, like I said, also for the ESG topics to have a more holistic approach also. Yeah. A very exciting future ahead. And what is next for you personally, Roman? For me personally? Yeah, at the moment it's pay green. And like I said, I just quitted my consulting job, my good paying consulting job. <laughs> So uh, I really um, want to grow now Peregrin and uh, be part of Peregrin and uh, see that in next year it's really growing, going well. So yes, I'm looking forward for the future and what will happen with Peregrin. Amazing. To wrap up today's conversation, we also prepared some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. So I'm either going to give you different choices or a short question and you have to answer in one sentence. Okay. You ready? In one sentence. Ideally. Okay, we'll let's try see. That. What were you buying back in 2018 when you had the pay green idea? Honestly, I have no idea anymore. I know that it was like 10 francs. And yeah. in this case, it was not that much. Uh, some lunch, maybe some fruits or some yeah. dried fruits or something like this. Uh. <laughs> yeah, probably. Are you more of an early bird or a night owl? It's a night owl, definitely. Uh, I need a lot of time in the morning to, to wake up and be productive. What's your biggest ecological sin, personally? Um, for sure, I sh shower way too much, yeah. And um, enjoying all the time, I don't be on my cell phone on the laptop, so enjoying being in the shower. Yeah. Even now, cell phones become more and more waterproof, so it's also <laughs> dangerous in the shower. Dangerous development. A dangerous development, yeah. Check emails in the shower. Exactly. If you had to choose lake or mountains? Mm -hmm. I grew up at the lake of um, Luzern, yeah, and it's direct to the mountains, so I like really both. Yeah. If I would have to decide, probably mountains, but I, I need both. Yeah. The combination. The combination, yeah. yeah. What's a climate innovation that excites you besides Peregrine, of course? Um, yeah, that's tricky. There are different stuff. Yeah. With my colleagues, for example, with Christiane, we talk a lot about uh, that sustainable mentoring with the satellites to mentoring rainforest and ice shields and soil uh, moisture and um, ocean saltinity and stuff like this. That's mm -hmm. really interesting. Um, I also think like yesterday we had this event with Google and just that in Google Maps, you can now choose your most sustainable route. That's yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. Myself, I thought about becoming a pilot in my childhood. And so I'm really also into like aviatic and I'm also curious what's going on now in the aviatic, sustainable aviatic, what happens there. Hopefully Some different field types. Or something yeah. like this, that would be interesting. Absolutely. And the last question for you today, where do you go to think? Yeah, I said it in the shower. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think this everybody's same. And yeah, all the time I don't be on my cell phone, I can really think uh, about all the issues. 
um, jogging in the forest on the lake. It's um, going uh, skiing, tour skiing, or even also a day on my own alpine skiing somewhere in the nice. ski resort. That's I perfect. Enjoy it. Switzerland is the perfect place for that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Roman, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was thank a pleasure you, having you. And thank you very much. To you. All the best and lots of success for thank the future. Thank you very much, Silvan. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.